Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Some of my favorite television shows are the ones where they take an old, rusty automobile hidden for decades in some barn or some field, and they restore it to its former glory. In fact, they, they often make it even better than before. Now, my obsession with these television shows started years ago with Chip Foose's Overhaul. And anybody watch that? And then I started watching Counting Cars with Danny Coker, and then I moved on to Fast and Loud with Richard Rawlings. I bet a lot of you watched that. And then I moved on to Phantom Works, which is probably my favorite. But what I love about these shows is seeing something that was once beautiful, but then broken or beaten or lost or abandoned, returned to its former glory. I just love seeing that was something that was once wrecked being fully restored. I also like the house flipping shows for the same reason. I love seeing something once wrecked then fully restored. Perhaps that's why I love being a pastor. Because I have the privilege Seeing in real time lives that were once wrecked being fully restored to what they once were or to something even better, what God intended them to be. Whether it's a classic car or an old house or a broken life or a wrecked relationship, very few things get me excited like seeing something transformed from wrecked to restored, and that's what this sermon series has been all about. Well, this is the final week of this series, and so far we have discovered the kinds of relationships we need. We need people, if you were here, you remember this, people before us, we need people beside us, and we need people behind us. That's right. We also discovered when it's okay to walk away in cases like adultery and abuse and abandonment. Last week, we talked about how to heal your broken relationships through recognition, through repentance, through returning to what you did at first, and through restoration. And today, we want to learn how to heal from your broken relationships. And that brings us to our big idea for today. Here it is. You don't need to heal every relationship, but you do need to heal from every broken relationship. It's kind of like a wrecked car. Over the past few weeks, I've shared some stories about wrecked cars, like when I wrecked my sister's car when I was a teenager, and when my oldest son wrecked his car several years ago, my sister's car, we, we kept on driving after we wrecked it. it. It was wrecked, but we were able to drive it anyway. My son's car was another story. It was totaled, and it wasn't worth fixing, and so we moved on, and we bought another one. And whether the car can be restored after a wreck or whether it can't be restored after a wreck, when you've had a wreck, you're going to be sore and you're going to need to heal. The same way with relationships. Sometimes they can be restored. Sometimes they can't be restored. Either way, when you've been through a wrecked relationship, 
you're going to be sore, and you're going to need to heal. And so last week, we talked about how to heal a broken relationship. Today, it's how to heal from a broken relationship. And what I've done for this message today, since I am I, I'm not a relationship expert, I'm not a marriage therapist, what I've done is borrow an outline from Dawson McAllister called Six Steps to Healing a Broken Heart that I want to share with you today. And all six of these steps are deeply rooted in ancient scripture and yet are incredibly relevant to our lives today. And so if you're taking notes, let's just begin with step number one. Take heart. You will get through this. And when you have been through a wrecked relationship, it, it, it can be heartbreaking, whether it's the loss of your best friend or abandonment by a family member or the loss of a romantic interest, especially the loss of a marriage. It is horrible. I mean, you could lose your appetite or, or perhaps your appetite might grow in an unhealthy way. It's possible you may experience shortness of breath from grief. Your side may ache. Your eyes may swell. Your head may hurt. It may feel like your heart is literally breaking. Confusion might rule your mind. You might feel as bad as you've ever felt before, but you will get through it. Even the most intense physical symptoms of a broken relationship begin to subside over time. Uh, the problem is you may be letting your loss blind you so that you cannot see all the good things happening in your life. And I imagine even with a wrecked relationship front and center, there are indeed good things happening in your life. And it might even be a good thing that the relationship is wrecked even if it doesn't feel like it in the moment. And nevertheless, people all around you have been through relationship wrecks and they've healed through them. And if you will take the right steps forward, then you will heal as well. And the first step is reminding yourself, you will get through this. And in the Bible, getting through something is called perseverance. To persevere is to continue forward despite the difficulty in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, speaking to a brokenhearted people, the brother of Christ writes, consider it pure joy. Some translations say, take heart, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Here, James says, consider it pure joy. He says, take heart. All of you who face trials of many kinds in a, a relationship wreck is certainly a trial that can test your faith. But James says, your faith being tested creates perseverance, and perseverance creates maturity. If you're going to heal through your wrecked relationships, you're going to have to take heart and persevere and see your painful experience as an opportunity for spiritual growth and for developing relational maturity. Take heart. You will get through this. Step number two, talk to someone who cares about you. McAllister says 90% of good counseling is talking out how you feel. 
And it's just amazing how much better you can feel when you, when you have someone to talk to who, who totally understands what you're going through. You know, the person you talk to is like, uh, it's, it's kind of like a football player. When a football player injures his knee on the football field, you've seen video of this, or maybe you've actually experienced this. Two of his teammates, they, they gather around him and they get around him and they, they help him up and they, they help carry him off the field. And that's what happens when you're healing from a broken relationship. You have this emotional, relational injury, and you need people to help you back up. And, and when someone is there to listen to you, it's like having someone to help you back up. But the people who suffer the most from heartbreak are those who have no one to help them up, no one to listen to them. That's why in Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine and 10, the wisest man in the world, King Solomon, he wrote the following words. He said, two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. If one of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. When you've experienced a wrecked relationship, your natural tendency is to hide away, to shy away from people, to shy away from relationships, to do life alone, but that's most definitely not a step in the right direction. Genesis 2.18 says, it's not good for a person to be alone. A step in the right direction is to find a trusted friend, find a respected mentor, find a person who knows how to listen and advise without judgment, and then to share your pain and struggles with that person. Talk to someone who cares. Step number three, allow yourself to be human and feel the pain. You know, it's been said, we cannot truly appreciate beauty until we have seen ugly. That we cannot truly appreciate goodness until we have seen evil. That we cannot truly appreciate comfort until we have experienced some pain. And I think there's some real truth to that. I mean, one of the ways we know we are fully human is to feel pain. And and by the way, as painful as pain can be, you know what? Pain is good. Let me say that again. Pain is good. Pain is good because pain shows us what is not good. I mean, if you burn your finger, you feel pain. And the pain says, pull your hand away from the fire before you experience a terrible injury. You know, without pain, most of us wouldn't even live very long. Likewise, pain tells us when a relationship is in bad shape or just plain bad and just like when you have pain in your body, it generally tells you something is off or, or, or something has changed or there's disease or poor health in your body. Pain is a, a warning sign. It's kind of like uh, the check engine light in your car. God gave us a check engine light and that check engine light in our bodies is, is pain. And some people run from their pain when they should embrace it. And it's only when we feel our pain that we, were, that we are able to honestly deal with our pain and then heal from our pain. And if we don't deal and heal, the pain will reappear somewhere else in our lives and always in very unhealthy ways. You know, there's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. And Lamentations is an expression 
of pain. A lamentation or a lament is to grieve over something. And Jeremiah, who is known as the weeping prophet, he wrote the book of Lamentations after the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians. And it's an entire book in the Bible that embraces pain. Sadly, some Christians make the mistake of thinking that as Christians, well, we should always be happy. We should always put on a a joyful front, a smile, and, and be celebratory. We should never, ever, if we really have faith, we'll never be disappointed or discouraged or depressed. We should never lament. That's not true. Lamentations is a whole book in the Bible that expresses disappointment, discouragement, and depression. And the book of Lamentations isn't alone. 54 of the 150 psalms in the Old Testament are psalms of lament, meaning they are poems expressing disappointment, discouragement, depression. It's okay to feel and express disappointment, discouragement, and depression. It's just not okay to stay that way. It's not okay to live in your pain forever. Pain is good because it tells us something is wrong and it compels us to move to something better, but you have to eventually move on to something better. Remember, Jesus felt pain and Jesus was perfect and complete, not lacking anything. Pain is part of the human experience, even part of God's existence Pain is is not something to run from, it's something to work through. If you hide your pain, lie about your pain, ignore your pain, suppress your pain, or deny your pain, you'll never heal through your pain. If you want to heal from your broken relationships, then allow yourself to be human and feel your pain. Step number four, take your broken heart to God. Take your broken heart to God. Now, some people, they say this, this step is just like a, a, some kind of trope, right? It's just a, a nice thing people say, take your broken heart to God, right? But they're wrong, and here's why. You and I were created to love and to be loved. And at the end of the day, what we all really want to know is there's someone who fully knows us and still loves us. That we're loved no matter what. Only God can truly and completely, fully and finally love us unconditionally. And when we have that foundation of knowing that we are loved unconditionally, then we can have the strength to face rejection from others. And only God can give us the sense of, of being loved like that because only God's love is unfailing and everlasting. Jeremiah 31.3 says, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with an unfailing kindness. And we've said it before and we'll say it again. You cannot be fully loved until you are fully known. And the only person who fully knows you is God. And guess what? Despite fully knowing you, he completely loves you, everlasting and unfailing. And even though God knows all the stuff about me that I don't want others to know, because I'm afraid others might reject me, 
God knows it all and God still loves me and God does not reject me despite those things and he knows them all. Well, let me tell you another reason a broken heart, though extremely painful, isn't the worst thing in the world. Not just because it, it, it can bring us closer to God, it can if we let it, but because it brings God closer to us. Psalm 34, 18 is this beautiful verse that says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I believe God is closest to us when we are at our worst, at our most vulnerable, at our weakest moment, at our most broken place. And that is an everlasting, unconditional, compassionate kind of love. And so I want to encourage you to take your broken heart to God. Step number five, give yourself time to heal. If your heart's been broken, it will take time to heal. Now, at the time of a relationship wreck, almost everybody thinks they'll never feel normal again, but they will heal, and that takes time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 says, there is a time for everything. There's a season for every activity under the sun. You need time to heal from whatever heartbreak you have. Maybe you're grieving the loss or the death of a loved one. You need time to heal. The author of Ecclesiastes goes on. He says, there, there's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather them. There's a time to embrace. There's a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent, a time to speak. There's a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. You need time to heal, time to weep, time to mourn, time to give up, time to throw away, time to move on, and time to learn to love again. You need time. One of the worst things that you can do is jump into a new relationship so that you don't feel the pain of the old relationship. By the way, there's no set amount of time for healing. There really isn't. I will say this, though. After counseling numerous couples direct relationships over the years through things like uh, affairs and addictions, I've come to believe that it takes a bare minimum of two years to begin to heal through relationship disaster. I've had husbands say to me, when is my wife ever going to trust me again? And I generally answer, I don't know. You messed up pretty big. Probably not for at least two years. Maybe more. It takes time to heal. It takes time to heal your broken relationships. It takes time to heal from your broken relationships. But heal you will because God has designed you and your body and your heart. Your mind and your emotions. God has designed them to heal. Some people heal faster than others. Some people's emotions go deeper than others. The deeper the emotions, the longer it may take to heal, but you will heal. Ecclesiastes 3.11, that beautiful passage about time, it concludes like this. God has made everything 
beautiful in its time. You give yourself time to heal and beauty will one day rise from the ashes. Step number six, learn and grow from the experience. The question is not if difficult things will happen to us. They will. The question is, what can we learn from our most difficult experiences? If we don't learn, then we'll keep doing the same things over and over again, getting the same pain and the same results. And so during your time of healing, you might ask yourself some questions about your broken relationships. For example, did your relationship include these important things from you or your, your friend or your, your spouse, maybe your business partner. Things like open communication, sensitivity and understanding each other's feelings and experiences, trust and honesty, ability to see things from one another's perspectives. The answers to these questions and many other questions like them can help you be a deeper, wider, wiser and more mature person, better equipped for your next relationship. Proverbs chapter nine, verse nine says, instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. If you are wise, you will see your pain, your, your grief, your broken heart, your broken relationship as an opportunity to grow wiser still. And if you have a righteous perspective, you'll see your struggles as a learning experience. I have an old friend, and whenever he was going through a hard time, I'd, I'd say, and how you doing? And, and he, here's what he would always say. He would say, I'm just trying to learn, just trying to discover whatever it is the Lord wants to teach me through this. Now, what is that? That is Wisdom. I think the questions we need to ask is, is will your train wrecked friendship make you a better friend? Will your broken marriage make you a better spouse? Will your relational struggles at work make you a better coworker? Will your struggles with an estranged parent make you a better parent? Will your struggles with your sister make you a better brother? Will my struggles make me a better husband? Father, brother, pastor, friend. And the truth is, you know, we're all in this together, right? The truth is, I have too many wrecked relationships behind me. And some of them have been restored, and some of them have been totaled and will never be restored. But I still need healing from my broken heart and my wrecked relationships. And thankfully, God sent Jesus not just to forgive us, but also to heal us. But there's, there's one more step to healing from our broken relationships, and it's one that's not included in McDowell's six steps that I've been sharing with you today, and that step, I think, is the most important. And that step is forgiveness. Now, ultimately, you have to forgive those who hurt you if you want to heal. And you don't always have to restore the relationship, but you do need to forgive the people who have broken your heart. 
To forgive is to let go of the offense, to no longer hold it over their head, to, to not give them what they deserve, to, to release your wrath, to not respond in kind. You, you need to forgive those who hurt you. And some of you, some of you might have been the one who did the hurting. You need to ask for forgiveness. And you might even need to forgive yourself. Pastor Gary preached an incredible message on forgiveness just just a, a few weeks ago, and so we don't need to dive deeply into that today, but we do need to forgive if we are going to heal. We need to forgive as Jesus forgave us. God sent Jesus to forgive us, and that includes our relationship mistakes. And God has given us his spirit to empower us to heal. And, and God has given us one another to encourage each other along the way. And so I'm confident that if we will take these biblical steps to healing, we'll get there. We will get to a place of relationship, health, and healing someday. And that brings us to our, our takeaway for today. I want to encourage you to get connected to people who can help you heal your broken relationships. Get connected. Now, I admit this is the same takeaway we had two weeks ago, but it just bears repeating. It is so important. Connect to people with whom you can be yourself, with whom you can become the best version of yourself, with whom you can grow and mature. Get involved in a small group here at First Christian Church where you can study the Bible with other believers. You can grow as Christ followers and share one another's struggles and pray for each other. Or, or get involved on a ministry team where you can connect with others and you can serve together. You know, sometimes the best thing you can do to rebuild a healthy relationship isn't to just sit around and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. Sometimes the best thing you can do is go and serve together. Go and do something significant together. Pastor Gary mentioned a few minutes ago, right now we're about 90 volunteers, volunteer hours away from what we need to, to fill every weekend as we launch this additional service on September 12th. We need people to serve. We need people to serve in our children's ministry, in our student ministry, in our welcome and information team, on our production team, on our safety team, on our greeting team, our information team, our hospitality team. There's so many places. What a great opportunity not only to serve the Lord, but maybe to grab that person that, that you've been struggling with and invite them to serve with you. What a great opportunity to connect with other people and begin to form healthy, healing friendships. And so I just wanna challenge you, get in a group or get in a ministry team or just connect with some people around you so that we can grow and heal together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus to forgive us for much, including our relational missteps and our relationship wrecks. Thank you for sending Jesus to restore us to you and to one another. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, whom you promised all believers, who gives us the power to heal and for the church, the context to heal. We love you, God. And we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. 
If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.